uh, this morning. I think it's uh, um, a couple of things that, that uh, I was thinking about as I was reading this. Uh, of course, we know in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, it, uh, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not really the Lord's Prayer so much because he gave it to the disciples to pray. And it's not 100% uh, relevant today because uh, he's, um, Jesus has already died. Uh, and so uh, rose from the dead after this. So there are a few things that have changed since then. But still, there's a lot of good points about it. Uh, and one of the things that uh, he prays there in verse 11 is, is, give us this day our daily bread. And, you know, normally we think about that as the Lord providing our provision for us each and every day, right? The food that we need and the clothes that we need and the jobs that we need. And, you know, all that all that's true and accurate there. But if you go over to uh, Matthew chapter 15, when he was talking to the Syrophoenician woman, uh, she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. Uh, and he answered and said unto her, it is not meat or good to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. So what is it that she was requesting from the Lord Jesus? She was requesting healing for her daughter, right? Uh, and so he said, it's not meat or good to take the children's bread. So he called healing the children's bread. And so, uh, you know, we're not changing anything of the scriptures. He said, give us this day our daily bread, and he called healing our bread. Uh, and so you could just say just as well, Lord, give us this day our daily healing uh, and be perfectly biblical, right? Because that's not what Jesus called it, right? So, uh, <clears throat> so, that it, so that, you know, that can be something that you think about just on a daily basis, thanking the Lord that he provides healing and a sound body for you each and every day. Amen? Uh, and so... Uh, you know, the Lord could have used any analogy, but he chose to use bread and um, and he called it the children's bread. So it belongs to them. Right. He didn't say uh, just uh, it, it's not good for you to take bread. He said it's not good for you to take the children's bread. Well, who are the children of God? We are the children of God. So he called healing uh, something that belongs to us. Right. It's it's a part of our possessions, part of things that we own. Uh, and that's what he called it. He called it the children's bread. And so healing belongs to you and you know there's wars that are fought in churches and arguments that are fought in churches over healing and how god doesn't heal anymore and um and and i have never understood why any of those arguments go on in the church at all it's one of the easiest things to comprehend that jesus called healing specifically healing right for this daughter of this woman here uh, he called healing the children's bread something that belongs to the children uh and so we're children of god so what belongs to us? Well, a lot of things belong to us, but specifically one of the things that belong to us is the healing for our bodies. It belongs to us. Amen. God's not taking it from us. He's not withholding it. Uh, in fact, uh, he paid for it at the cross. So it, even if people say, well, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, that may be the case, uh, but it wouldn't matter even if he did it, which, of course, he didn't do that. But even if he did do that, he already gave it all that we needed at the cross. So. There's nothing for him to do after the cross. It's already done by his stripes. You were what? Healed. So it was done at the cross, right? So the bread was given to you at the cross. It was, it's not given to you when you have need of it for healing. It's given to you at the cross. So it already belongs to you. So God would have to steal it from you to, to keep you from getting healed supernaturally. Uh, and is God a thief? I think he talked about the thief there in John 10, 10, right? The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy uh, is anybody going to call God a thief? I, I mean, I would hope that nobody would call God a thief. But, you know, that's what they really call him. They don't really realize that. But if they say God doesn't heal anymore, then they're really saying God's a thief, that he took the bread 
out of the out of the mouths of babes, right? I mean, aren't politicians accused of that every day when they want to try to reduce taxes or you're stealing food from the children? They're not really stealing food from the children, you know. No child's going to be hungry because of that. But <clears throat> but they say that. So they say stuff like that, right? Because they want to paint them in the worst possible light that they can. Uh, and yet people say that God has taken the bread from the children all the time, right? Anybody who says that God doesn't heal anymore says that God in heaven, the father of all children, has taken bread from the mouth of babes, his own children. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, they wouldn't like to say it that way, but that's really what they're saying. Amen. Now, I'm not going to say it that way because that would be disrespectful and unkind uh, to the Lord and really not even true. Uh, and so did uh, did he tell us to pray uh, uh, this day to give us our daily bread? He did. Didn't he, didn't he call healing our, our bread? He did. So it's perfectly reasonable to pray every day. Lord, I thank you for my healing. I thank you that I'm the healed of God because it belongs to me. You gave me as your child the bread of healing. And so I, just, I was thinking about that this morning. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, put those two things together. Never really put those two things together like that before. So, uh, but praise God. Well, let's stand and greet yourself for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. You alone, Father, are the king of our lives. You alone are the great father to us, your children. Thank you, Father. You are the only God worthy of all praise and honor. You are the only one, Father, worthy for us to lay down our lives. You are the only one, Father, worthy for us to worship and to praise and to honor, Father. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. Thank you for being so good to us. Father, we thank you that you desire good things for us, Father. Father, you said a future and a hope. You desire good things for us today, Father. Good things for us tomorrow. Father, you desire us to have a good life on this earth, Father. To be well, to be happy, Father. To be strong and healthy, Father. To preach your gospel. To bring the good news to all the world, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We have such good news to tell the world, Father. That a king came and died for servants. And Father, you declared that for all eternity we can live with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being good to us, for being kind towards us, Father, for showing us exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. Father, we believe. So, Father, we can see the exceeding greatness of your power. Thank you, Father, for the power of the Most High God lives and dwells in us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You alone, Father, are worthy. You alone, Father, are the great God. We thank you, Father. Father, all the days of our lives will walk as thankful, appreciative people, Father. Thanking you for what you've done. Thanking you for what you are doing. And thanking you, Father, for what is yet to come to pass in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you,
Father, we want to thank you that you dwell in us each and every day, Father. To lead us and guide us in all truth, to show us things to come, to strengthen, to reveal, to teach, Father, to comfort. We thank you for the ministry of the Spirit of God in our lives. Father, we thank you. And Lord, for all these things, we give you praise and honor, thanksgiving. We thank you for all of these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. He's good um, to speak to us. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His power. Amen. He's given us a lot of things to be successful in His life. Amen. There's really no reason why we can't be successful. I know sometimes we are not successful. But it's not for the Lord withholding anything from us. Amen. He has any, didn't the Bible say He's given us all things richly to enjoy? So if He's given us all things richly to enjoy, what things has He withheld from us? Nothing. Amen. You know, sometimes people talk about the Christian life like it's hard and difficult and un, unhappy. And, you know, I, I understand that there are things we deal with and there are unkind people that we deal with and there's circumstances that we don't want to have to to walk through. But even in the midst of it, you know, uh, when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in a fire, were they there weeping on the ground, crying about how hard it was and uh, moaning and griping about, you know, how the Lord never does anything for them? No, they're just walking around. Hey, how's it going, Shadrach? Oh, pretty good, you know. How's the kids doing? Pretty good, you know. How, how's your wife doing? Oh, she's doing fine, you know. Garden doing all right? Yeah, yeah, it's a little dry this year, but it's coming along okay. I mean, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, was he crying and, and begging the lions not to, not to uh, do anything? No, in fact, uh, someone said, well, you know, uh, the lions were actually in prayer all night. Well, why were they praying? They were praying that, that uh, Daniel wouldn't eat them, you know. Uh, they were more concerned about Daniel doing something to them than, than uh, Daniel was for them doing something to him. Uh, you know, uh, you, look at the, you look at these stories and, you know, David's a good example. Did, did David suffer under the ministry of the king Saul? He did, didn't he, for many years, right? Uh, but what did he speak of Saul at the end of it? He still called him the Lord's anointed. You know, he, uh, he suffered under those years, but he still, even though he knew the will of God, it was the will of God for him to be the king of Israel, and yet he still kept a good attitude about it all. Amen. You know, uh, and he did, wasn't even born again. He didn't have the spirit of God on each side of him. The Bible says that Jesus, one of the things he came to do, of course, was to heal the sick and raise the dead and, uh, and uh, the, to, you know, give sight to the blind and, and hearing to the deaf. But it also said he came to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, and, you know, broken hearts, of course, that, that has a lot of weight along with it. You know, we don't have time to talk about all that today uh, because it gets into... Uh, the, usually the world takes that, even in the church takes that phrase, and they immediately go to psychology with it. It's not psychology is the issue, but there are still things that we've got to deal with in our emotions that, that have harmed us over the years. Uh, and, but if Jesus healed the brokenhearted, are there any scars there? Does Jesus leave scars when he heals people? No, he leaves no scars, right? So, you know, there is, a, uh, there is a place that you can get to where Whatever things you've dealt with in your life don't define who you are. And yet so many times people's past, they, they are only a, a, a culmination of things they've experienced in their past as opposed to being who the Bible says they can be. You know, a lot of people are, are defined by what happened yesterday, defined by what was said to them last week or last month or last year. Uh, what, uh, you know, 
some, some death has occurred in a family. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians say when something happens, well, here it goes again. You know, it's happening again. Uh, and, you know, Jesus said with your, your mouth, you're going you're, you're gonna to be justified. And with your mouth, you're going to be condemned. Uh, if, if your faith is, I'm always at the short end of every deal. Uh, and all the bad things that happen in the world happen to me. Then, then what do you think is going to happen to you? All the bad things in the world. Amen. No, uh, it doesn't matter what comes our way. Don't we have the authority to overcome it? Don't we have the power to overcome it? Don't we have the grace to overcome it? Don't we have the word to overcome it? Don't we have the spirit to overcome it? What are we lacking that would keep us from overcoming something? You know, Jesus never said that you're going to have a life without any kind of conflict, that, that uh, you're going to live a life that, had, that nobody says anything bad about you. In fact, he said, he, in fact, he said, if they only speak good things about you, be careful because you're probably backslid, right? That's my translation of that. But that's basically what he said, right? Uh, be careful if they only speak good things about you. So they're going to speak bad things about you. People are going to speak bad things about you. They're going to use you and abuse you and, and, and persecute you. And Jesus said, love them and pray for them. Uh, you, you know, we shouldn't be just victims of this world. Christians should not be victims of anything. Uh, even if they suffer under some persecution, that's the only suffering that Jesus ever in, in, implied that we would have to, to uh, put up with everything else, including sickness and disease. We have the right to overcome it. Amen. Uh, so, so we can't keep people from persecuting us but we can't keep the persecution from killing us, from, from wounding us, from, from controlling our lives. And, and, and it, just, it just breaks my heart to see Christians who uh, have given up on life because of things that have happened to them and thinking there's no way that it, they can overcome. Well, you can overcome right now. It's not like you have to overcome. It's going to take you a year. You don't have to go through a program. You don't have to go through training. You don't have to go through counseling. You can just decide to overcome. And, you know, the world will tell you, the doctors will tell you, well, you can't just decide. You can decide anytime you want to. You can decide right now. You want to decide right now? Uh, in fact, you're already five seconds late. You could have decided five seconds ago, right? Uh, you can decide anytime you want to to be an overcomer. Anytime you want to. It's never, there's never a limit to the power of God. Uh, it's really a limit to, to you how much power of God you want operating in your life. Amen? Uh, and so we've been talking about fainting and really fainting. Uh, you know, I just think it's a good topic because... Uh, when you faint in your mind, and that's what the Bible calls it, everything else uh, is going to happen after that occurs. Because if you will not faint in your mind, then you can stay in the power of God, and there's nothing that can overcome you. So everything bad that's ever happened to you has happened because before that thing happened, you fainted in your mind. Uh, and, and we need to understand that because it's not about fainting in your spirit because your spirit never faints. It's, it's made in the image and likeness of God. It's sealed by the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption. If it's born again... Uh, and so uh, there are no errors in your spirit. So the, the devil can't overcome your spirit. It's not technically possible. So he, uh, he, his only avenue to overcome the church is through your mind, uh, really specifically through your soul, right? So your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions, your thought life, you know, uh, what you decide to do and, and how you feel, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And, and the devil, is, he's, he is an expert at that. He knows all the buttons to push, uh, and he will try to, to, to run your life. Uh, and I know many Christians whose entire lives are run only by their emotions. Uh, that, that they, you know, one thing happens and they explode, or one thing happens and they, they're in depths of depression, or one thing happens and, you know, they're, they're super happy one day. And then, uh, but even some Christians, you know, they're, they're so happy, but they're not even, they're not sincere in the happiness. You know, it's almost like they have to put on an air of happiness. 
How are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing wonderful. It's like, well, that's not what you said just five seconds ago, you know? I mean, uh, and, and understand there's an attitude of faith that we need to have, but you need to be sincere. The, the, the joy that's in you is, should, should be what controls your emotions, right? And not, not just faking it. You know, uh, there's no value in faking your emotions. Uh, it's better to just deal with your emotions so you're not faking it. So there is nothing on the inside of you to, to have to hide. You know, a lot of Christians hide their actual emotions. And, and part of it, they've been trained that, well, we, we need to look a certain way. You know, your goal is not to look a certain way. Your goal is to be a certain way. Because if you just look a certain way, one way, but you're really different on the inside, uh, and you're hurt, and you're wounded, and you're, and you're unhappy, and you're depressed on the inside, but on the outside, you put on a happy face, that's, you're not really helping yourself at all. You, all you're doing is training yourself to lie to people and, and training yourself really to be a hypocrite. You're not trying to say it to hurt people's feelings, but you know, hypocrisy is being one way on the outside and being a different way on the inside. Uh, and so you don't want to be a hypocrite. You want to be... Uh, if you're joyful on the outside, you want to be that to be coming from the inside of you. Uh, the joy that's in you is comes from the Lord, Amen. And it will cause and uh, it will cause your emotions to come into check. And so we, we've got to look at a few things here because the, the Bible has got a lot of good things to say about this. In fact, you know, just in studying this, uh, you know, I didn't realize, but there, there's a lot of things that the Bible says that people will faint for. So it's not just for sin. There's a lot of things that the New Testament talks about that, that will faint because of. And we need to learn what those things are so that we're not fainting all the time and just quitting all the time. And, um, you know, be, uh, uh, be overcomers in these things. Amen. Because there's a lot of things that, that will come against your life. And it's not even things that are attacking you. But sometimes the will of God is trying to, to get things to, uh, going on in your life. And you faint uh, in the midst of the will of God. Uh, and so we started here in First um, uh, Peter chapter 2. And so we can read that verse again here. It says in verse 11, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So there's a war against your soul, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the battleground where the Christian is going to win or lose in this life. So we understand that we are spirit beings. We understand that the devil is a spirit being. He resides in a realm of the spirit. Your spirit resides in the realm of the spirit. God is a spirit. He resides in the realm of the spirit. But where the fight occurs is in your soul. That's the, that's the battleground that the, that the devil has chosen to fight against a Christian because he knows there's no, no way that he can fight against you in the spirit realm. So he has to fight against you in, in your soulish man, in, in the soulish realm. Uh, and so, uh, and you know, you, you see this all the time. He will attack you, of course, in the physical realm to try to put sickness and disease on you. But uh, you ever notice that when some people, they get a report from the doctor and now that's all they can think about. You know, they get a report about cancer or they get a report about, you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, and, and then suddenly that's all they that consume with that thought. Well, what, what was the devil doing? He was using your, your physical body as an avenue to war against your soul, to attack you in your soul. So that's all you think about then is, oh, no, what's going to happen now? Right. Uh, and I told you one time when I, was, I went to the doctor and had a, a problem, I couldn't couldn't raise either one of my hand, one, one of my arms. You know, uh, it, it started like in the beginning of the year uh, on my um, I think it was my left arm. I couldn't raise it up, uh, you know, above about this far. And, 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 you know, I didn't really think anything about it. You know, think, well, it'll go away eventually. And then and then after about three months, you know, then the right arm started doing the same thing. 
Well, you can't raise your arms and you can't, you know, you can't worship the Lord. You know, a lot of things you can't do. You know, you can't put your ball cap on. You know, you can't comb your hair. You, you know, a lot of things you get, you start getting limited in doing. And, and so, you know, again, I didn't get in fear about it, but, you know, I didn't know what it was. And so I'd gone to the doctor and the normal checkups. And, and he said, you got any other questions? I said, well, yeah, you know, there's something going on. You know, what do you think it is? And he asked me some questions. He said, well, he said, well, it's arthritis. And so, uh, so I said, and didn't even think about it. I said, oh, Okay, well, it's just arthritis. He said, well, don't say it's just arthritis. You know, he said, that's a serious disease. But I'm thinking it's just arthritis because everything is just whatever it is. Because the power of God's going to overcome. And so once I got the information, I thought, oh, okay, well, I know what it is. So now I know what to pray. And now I know how to pray. See, the devil will over, you know, he, he may come and just, uh, you, you ever get some strange pain or, you know, and, and of course you think, oh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, uh, it, it's the gout or something, you know, you don't, you know what it is. You just make up words, right? It's, it's my McGillicuddy switch is all broken or something, you know, and, uh, and then you start getting a fear about it. You don't even know what it is. And it could be nothing. You know, it could be something, but it could be nothing, you know. Uh, and why do you have to go to the worst thing? Do you ever notice people go to the worst thing? Uh, I remember when, when, uh, when, when uh, Anne Marie was born, she's the oldest, and, uh, and you know, uh, there was a friend of ours that they had their child at the same time, and so uh, Anne Marie and their child was about a month apart. Uh, and, and so, I don't know, it, it wasn't that long, but, you know, the, the, their baby was having some problems, you know, and it seemed like uh, his head was hurting or something. And so they went to the pediatrician and the pediatrician said, well, it could be brain cancer. Well, I mean, you know, it could be brain cancer, but, you know, why start with that? You know, it could be just, you know, maybe he's a little dehydrated or, you know, maybe he's just, you know, having a bad day or something, but. You know, why do you, I mean, it could, everything could be brain cancer, right? But it also could just be because it's Tuesday and it'll go away on its own, right? But so, so we didn't go to that doctor, you know, and it's like, well, we don't want everything to be brain cancer, you know? I mean, uh, we go, the next doctor, we love the next doctor. He goes, ah, the kids will be all right, you know, they'll be fine. Just don't worry about it, you know? Throw some darn on it, they'll be fine, you know? And, and kids are tough. And he was right, you know, kids are tough. And uh, and that's not to me, we, we want to neglect what the doctors say, but we don't want, you know, the, these, these uh, fear, uh, fear-monger doctors that just everything could be, you know, was, they're probably going to die from this, you know. They might die from that. Well, uh, that's, that's, I mean, technically that's probably true, but it's also just as true that it might not be anything at all. And so, but you ever notice how your mind will immediately go to the worst possible scenario? It's the worst thing, you know. Well, well why are you going to the worst thing, you know? Well, you know, uh, 95% of people die from this. Praise God, that means 5%, 5% live. I'm going to be in the 5%. You're going to be in the 5%? You know, so what if it's 95% die from it? That means 5% live from it. Amen? So, so you got just as much chance of being in 5% as anybody else does in the 5%. You got a 100% chance of being in the 5%, right? And so, uh, so it's just, uh, uh, the, there's a war against your soul. Uh, it, he'll, he'll start sometimes in your body, but he, his goal is to get to your soul. When he gets your soul, he can control you. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, he talks about this. Turn over to uh, Romans chapter 7. Paul talks about this, you know. I mean, we could spend months just in Romans chapter 7. We're not going to spend months in Romans chapter 7. But um, he said um, in, in verse uh, 21, he said, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You ever notice that? You're trying to do good and it just seems like there's always something trying to get you to do bad. Well, welcome to the human race, right? Now, who wrote this? This is the great apostle Paul wrote this, right? Sometimes people act like Paul wasn't even a human being, that he, well, Paul never had to deal with anything, you know, he just, he just lived above in the clouds, you know, walked on, you know, 
lived uh, flowery days of ease, right? Uh, just no, no problems. And, but he said, uh, he said, when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So your inward man should delight in the law of God. You know, there shouldn't be rebellion in your, in your heart when it comes to the law of God. God says, well, don't do that. Well, you know, well, I want to do that. Well, that's just rebellion, right? You should delight. Because if you really love God, didn't he say, if you love me, keep my commandments? But it's more than that. If you really knew the Lord, every commandment, there's blessings associated with it. Every single commandment. If even all the thou shalt nots and all the thou shalts, there's always blessings associated with that. And if you believe that, then it's easy to follow the will of God. You know, but a lot of times people don't believe that, you know, that there's any value in serving God. There's great value in serving the Lord. And Paul knew that. And that's why he delighted in the law of God after his inward man. He said, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my what? Of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So there's a sin nature in your flesh, right? There's not much you can do about it until we get a glorified body. That's just the way it is. Uh, and it's Adam's fault. We can't change it. Can't do anything about it. All we can do is overcome it. Amen. And keep it in its proper place, which is uh, not controlling us. Amen. But he said uh, that there is a law uh, in your mind. It, it's a war against the law of your mind. You, now, he's talking about that you have a dis, uh, in your mind, you have the ability to make a choice. Right, which is the soul, the soul of man is where your choices are made. It, it's in your, your soul, it's in your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, and that war is against, against you, always trying to get you to make a, a wrong decision. You know, it's the proverbial devil on one shoulder and angel on the other shoulder. You know, you see little, little cartoons like that all the time. Well, that, that's, I mean, it's kind of being silly, but it's, it's essentially that. There's always a choice, right? Uh, and... There's even a group in the church who's always trying to remove your choice. That you have no choice in the matter. God's already decided your eternal destiny, so it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want to, right? Uh, and, and he's already decided if you're going to heaven, so you don't have any choice in the matter anyway, right? He's already decided if you're going to sin tomorrow, so what's it matter, right? Uh, well, then why do we even exist? Why? I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, but the, the whole the whole goal of that uh, of that uh, uh, doctrine is to remove all the guilt from your life. So you're never guilty of anything. Because, I mean, if you did it, it was God ordained that you did it. So and if you didn't do it, it was God ordained that you didn't do it. You had nothing to do about it. Well, that's not true at all. Amen. Uh, you have a choice. You know, even Judas had a choice, right? And, uh, you know, he could have not been Judas. You know, there's actually two Judases, right? I'm sure the other guy changed his name. I'm Bob now, right? I thought your name was Judas. No, no, my name is Bob. I've never been Judas. My name is Bob. Uh, Bob the Apostle, right? Uh, and so, you know, Judas had a choice. Uh, he could have not been Judas, right? They could have been somebody else. Uh, you know, they could have been Frank, right? Oh, Frank, you know, Frank. But it wouldn't sound nearly as good if it was Frank, right, who, who uh, forsook the Lord uh, and turned him in. But, uh, and so we don't have any Franks in it, do we, right? Uh, we're, not, we're not impugning anybody at all, right? But there is a law that there's a war against the law of your mind. There's a war. And the, the battleground is your soul. And, and, and you've got to learn that. If you don't learn that, then then it's real easy for you to faint. It's really, and when I say faint, it, it really just means just, you just give it up. It's like, you just, you know, just let it use me, right? So if, you, if you're uh, fighting against sin, you just let your flesh, you know, sin all at once. If you're fighting against your words, you just start saying things you ought not say. You know, if you're uh, faint against uh, doing the will of God, you just, just do whatever you want to do instead of the will of God. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we faint. Uh, and, and so let, let's turn back over then to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 12. 
So uh, every failure in your life, every single failure without exception, was preceded by you first fainting in your mind, with you losing the battle in your mind. And I know we're spirit beings, and, and you know, sometimes th- this, this is almost heresy in, in the faith movements to talk about your mind, but you need to be of sound mind, amen? You need to have a strong will uh, in your life to follow after God, amen? Because if you have a weak will, then you're going to do just whatever your flesh wants to do or whatever, you know, maybe you do sometimes what God wants you to do, but, but uh, you're not making your own decisions. You're, you're just, what, who's ever got the loudest voice is who you're going to go with. And oftentimes your flesh has got the loudest voice. And so he said here in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Uh, and so, uh, so in, this, in this context, he's specifically talking about fainting uh, in the war against sin. So, you know, uh, and it, people kind of make a, a big deal of it. And it kind of is a big deal in the sense that it gets you out of the will of God and can even cost you your very physical life. But they act like sin is nearly as strong as God. And it's not. It, it, it's just a decision, right? Every sin that you commit is preceded by you making a decision to sin. Uh, now, your decision to sin may be coming about by your deciding to just faint and say, well, I just I can't overcome it. I can't, you know, I'm just going to let it use me. Uh, and so, uh, but what happens, you faint in your minds, right? Because of that sin. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, you need to look at Jesus. Did Jesus have the same? Did he say he was tempted in all points like unto man? You know what the Bible says, right, about Jesus? He was tempted in all points like unto man. It's, but but uh, did he sin? No. Uh, and even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when all the pressure was there on him to sin, and, and remember he said that, that, uh, that his soul was wearied even to the point of death, right? Well, well, why was his soul that way? Because that's where the war was, to get him to change his mind, to get him to not go to the cross. To look at the cross and go, if I go to the cross, I'm going to be separated from God the Father for the first time in all eternity, and I, I want nothing less. That was, the, that was the whole issue of the cross. It wasn't the shame, because it says he despised the shame, so he just, like, shame wasn't a big deal, right? The pain and agony wasn't a big deal. It was the fact that when he went to the cross, then he would have to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me for the first time ever in all, all existence? God the Father and God the Son would, would, be, diff, would be separated. And he didn't want that. He, in fact, he, he wanted that uh, less than anything in the world. And the, the agony of making that choice, because he knew, remember the temptation with, with the devil in the wilderness? The devil said, if you worship me, I'll give you all this authority. Remember, he said, I'll give you, I'll give you all this stuff. And Jesus was thinking, well, you know, if I do that, I'll get some of redemption without having to go to the cross. I, I mean, he, he, said, he didn't say I would, I would free them from sin, but I, would, I, I will free them from my authority. So I'll give you, I'll, give you some of the, some, I'll give you some of the goals of redemption, but not everything. And Jesus had to decide, you know, I mean, I could skip the cross and get some of it back without going to the cross. But, but he's not a halfway kind of God. Now, if it's me and you, it would be like, you know, 50% and, and not go to the cross is better than, you know, going to the cross and maybe getting 100%, right? 50%, no cross? Where do I sign, right? I mean, can we start today? I mean, how many of us would, would have taken that deal? And Jesus didn't take that deal. But even, even up to the, to, to the minute before the cross, 
the weight of knowing that what was going to happen was still bearing down on him. And, that's, and the cross was won not on the cross. It was won in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was won when he was under so much pressure to, to, to sin and to walk away from the will of God that he said he, he, he sweat great drops of blood. Remember that? And doctors tell you that if you're under that much, if you're under great emotional stress, that it can actually cause the blood vessels to, to burst uh, in, your, in, your, uh, in your head and cause, and you bleed because of that, right? Because of the pressure that you're on. And that's what Jesus was suffering under. He said it was to the point of death. But uh, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, right? So he, he made it through. But he said, you've not resisted to that level yet where you're resisting so much that you're, that you're you know, bleeding, right? And most of us go, oh, it's so hard. Okay, I'll do it. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, okay, I'm not going to eat that. Okay, give me the donut. I mean, you know, you, you last for like five seconds and then, and okay, I'll eat it. Right? You know, and, and, and uh, Brother Randy was talking about it at the last meeting we were at that uh, he, uh, after he got out of prison, because he was in prison involved in drugs and, and you know, and um, all kinds of crazy things um, that people said, well, because you did that, you need to have uh, a ministry that, that, that ministers to those kinds of people because, you know, the only way you can minister to a drug dealer is having been a drug dealer, right? Obviously, the only way you can ever minister to somebody who did drugs is to be a drug user yourself, right? Because the only way you can minister to anybody is to have the same failings. Is that true? It was not true because then Jesus was a complete failure, right? Because he couldn't minister to anybody. He had no failings in his life that he could go back on. And go, oh, yeah, I know how you feel. I did the same thing, you know, just last year, you know. He, he could never say that, could he? Uh, and yet he was pretty good at ministering to everybody, wasn't he? But he did it anyway because, you know, sometimes we don't know you know, you look back now and you, you, you learn, you, don't you wish you knew everything 20 years ago that you knew today, right? And so, well, he didn't know. And so he did it. And he, but one of the things he learned in that process, he said, he said, these drug dealers, they, they, they're drug users. They do studies on them. And they said, they've got about, a, when the thought to do the drugs comes, they said, they've got about 11 seconds to decide. And if they don't, if they don't decide, then they're just going to faint it's not, it's sometimes it's not even a decision. It's just you faint. You just go with, the, with that sin, right? Uh, it, 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 you know, and of course, I know we say a lot of times around here that every sin is a decision. And it is a decision, but it's not always a decision to do the sin. A lot of times it's a decision to faint. I, I just can't resist against that thing, whatever that thing is, right? Donuts or cookies or whatever it is, right? Or any, any other sin. Uh, he said... Uh, Lest you be wearied and faint in your mind, you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. So one of the things we need to understand is that sin does not have to have control over you, right? Uh, and a lot of people think, well, there's nothing I can do about it. That's, that's not true. It's just not true. Because number one, you haven't resisted. Because right there, the, the writer says you haven't resisted as much as Jesus yet has uh, up to this point in time. Uh, and well, I've tried. Well, I, you know, you've got to get the hope that you can do it. You know, you got to get the hope that you really can overcome these things. Amen. Uh, in fact, let, let's turn over to to first Corinthians 13 here and look at uh, uh, one of the things that, uh, of course, people say that people misquote this verse a lot. Um, but let's see what it what it says here in verse uh, in chapter 13. <clears throat> Uh, that's uh, actually chapter 10, verse 13 is where I want to be. Um, he said uh, there in verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you or not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with, but will with the temptation also make 
a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So uh, you ever heard people say, well, the Bible says God won't put any more on you than you can bear. You ever heard that? Is that what it says? Who's putting it on you? Is God putting this on you? Not put, God's not putting this on you. So that's complete mischaracterization of this verse, right? God's not even putting it on you to begin with. In fact, we'll look at James here in a minute. But God's not the one putting it on you. You're tempted because you have a desire to do that thing, whatever that thing is, right? And if you can train, train yourself to, to stop having that desire or to have that desire that's out of the will of God, uh, then you'll, you'll be better off in your life, amen? But there's no temptation. Uh, and he says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And this is a good part of the verse here because the devil, one of the things that the devil loves to get you to, to believe is that nobody else has ever experienced what you're experiencing. Nobody else has ever gone through what you're going through. What's it say? Common to man, right? In other words, a million people have done this already. A million people have tried. A million people have failed. A million people have tried and a million people have succeeded, right? Uh, so whatever you're going through, somebody else has already gone through it. So don't let the devil get you. Nobody else has gone through what you're going through. Not true at all. It, it, it's, the Bible says it's common. It's been around as long as there's been sin. It's been around. Amen? I mean, the people... Uh, uh, of the days of Noah, they had PhDs in sin, right? Uh, the Bible says that, their, that thoughts were only evil continually. You know, most people today, that, that's not their thought life, is only evil continually. So that all they did was think about, and they lived a long time, right? You live 900 years, you can spend a lot of time thinking about different ways. So they got a, a, a big head start on figuring out how to sin really well. Uh, and so there, there's no temptation that, that you're going through, that you've ever gone through, that somebody else hasn't already gone through. So don't let, because I've heard people, I can't tell you how many times I've heard it, people say, oh, nobody else has gone through what I've gone through. Blah, 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 blah. Is that what the Bible says? As soon as the devil can get you to believe something that's not biblical, he's got you, right? Remember what, what, remember what he did with Eve? Uh, remember what Eve said? Uh, uh, well, you know, God said don't, don't to eat or touch the tree. Did God say don't touch the tree? God never said don't touch the tree. He said don't eat of the tree. So he got her into believing things that weren't biblical, that weren't what God said. Uh, and, and once he does that, he okay, I got him. I may not get him today, but I've got him. You know, I'm going to get him eventually because they're believing things that, that aren't biblical. Does the Bible say God won't put on you more than you can bear? No, God, the Bible never says that because God's not putting on you to begin with, right? What did, what did the Bible say about God's yoke in, in Matthew 11? His yoke is what? His easy and his burden is what? Light. Is easy and light hard? Does it sound hard? Does it sound like that, that making your life more difficult? No, it sounds like you're making your life better, right? Easy and, and light is, is better than hard and difficult. Uh, and yet people say, love to say those things, you know. Uh, I told you I was talking with a, a banker one time, and he didn't even know I was a pastor, so we was talking, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, he said, you've got a hard boss. Like, uh, apparently you've never met him. Because I've got the best boss in the whole world, right? I've had hard bosses, and he's nothing like any of them, amen? Yeah, I mean, I get the best benefits, life insurance, fire insurance, you know, health insurance. All, I mean, I got all these deal, great deals, benefits with him, right? Uh, and so uh, he's not hard at all. What's hard is you striving against sin. That's where the, the pressure comes in our lives is when we know to do right, but we just don't want to. Uh, but the pressure, because our spirit man's always saying, do right. It's always going to say, do right. Even in the midst of us doing wrong, say, hey, hey, you need to be doing right. Well, I don't want to. Still need, so, doesn't matter if you don't want to. You still got to do right. 
that's where the pressure comes in because our, our mind is struggling with, well, I want to follow my flesh, but my spirit says to do this. That's where the pressure comes. That, that's the only time people are under pressure is when their minds don't want to yield to their spirit man. Uh, and so uh, there's no temptation that, that, that's taken you, but such as a common demand. Everything you've ever done, right or wrong, somebody's done it. Amen. Uh, and every sin you've ever had to stand against, somebody's either stood against it and succeeded or stood against it and failed. It doesn't matter, but somebody stood against that same sin. So, uh, and I can't really emphasize that enough because, like I said, I've heard many Christians say, when I'm experiencing, nobody else has ever done that before. Nobody else has had the grief that I've had to deal with. Nobody else has been treated as poorly as I've been treated. Nobody else has had the words said to them that, that's been said to me. Nobody else has been stabbed in the back as many times as I've been stabbed in the back. Is any of that true? Not, not if the Bible is true. So see, that's what we need to get in our lives is, is when we think something, but we read something that's contrary to that thought and the word of God, then we need to, to adjust our thinking. Okay, well, then that's not true. Everything I've done, every, every bad thing that's ever happened to me, somebody else has had that same thing happen to them. So, so I can overcome. Amen? Because if I can't overcome, then the Bible's not true anyway. Amen? So there's no temptation. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. So even though your temptation, is, and we're going to read in James uh, chapter 1 here in a minute, temptation is, is self-inflicted, God still puts a, a, a barrier there, a limit to that. You, he, he's going to tell the devil you can't. No, that's as far as you can go right there. Uh, you can put, you know, the, the chocolate donut, but not the chocolate donut with sprinkles. You know, that's, that's, you, that's as far as you can go, right? Uh, and so whatever the temptation is, so you've got, to be, you've got to have confidence that this is so. Well, why is that? Because th- this is the mercy of God. That even though it's self-inflicted, it's your own temptation, uh, and you're striving against this sin, the Lord still put a limit to the devil about how much he can uh, allow that to happen in your life. Uh, and so when you say, I just can't overcome it, it's too strong for me, is that true? There's no way I can resist that sin. Is that biblically true? Because he said right there, he's not going to suffer you and not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. I just, I just couldn't help it. Is that true? Not if the Bible so, right? So we need to at least start talking accurately, right? I just didn't want to, 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 to take it anymore. Well, that may be true. You know, that may be a true statement that, you know, that, but the problem with that statement, it makes you look bad, right? If you say, I just can't take it anymore. Well, it's not your fault then. It's whoever, you know, who's given it to you is their fault, right? So it's not because you fainted or anything. It's because, you know, you didn't have enough power to overcome it. Well, is that true, that you don't have enough power to overcome it? Uh, does that mean the word of God is limited? The spirit of God is limited? The name of Jesus is limited? Is there some limit to God in your life? I mean, not really. So uh, the Lord, because of his mercy, he will put a, a barrier about, about how far, even though you, you're the one who's allowing the temptation to come into your life, or other people will bring that temptation into your life, he still put a limits on that. Uh, and not only will he put a limit on that, he said, but with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So there's always a way out, right? Uh, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to walk away. You, you ever had to walk away from things? Now, you know, sometimes you got to stand your ground too, right? And, and we'll talk about that a, a little bit as we go on. But, uh, but there's always a way out. Uh, well, what's the way out? Well, it depends on what the sin is, right? And we're not going to go into all, this, all the kinds of sins that, you know, we'd be here for, till forever talking about all that kind of stuff. But um, there is a way out with every sin. And, and so sometimes it's just as easy as just 
walking away. Sometimes it's as easy as not saying things. Uh, you know, uh, that, that thought rises up. Well, I, I just had to say it. Well, did you just have to say it? No, you don't. You're not required to say it, right? Remember what we read, we've been reading in 1 Corinthians 14 about speaking in tongues. Is that the spirit of the prophet is subject to who? Subject to the prophet, right? So whatever, whatever you want to say, you still have a choice of whether you, have, whether you say that or not, even if it's good or bad. Uh, and so if you ever say, I couldn't help, I just had to say it. Is that true? No. So we need to be accurate in what we say and think because it's not true that, well, I just had to say it. That's not true. If it's true, then, then there's nothing really else true in the Bible anyway. Then you just, 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 just go with the flow, right? If you want to tell somebody how terrible they are, just go tell somebody how terrible they are, right? Uh, and and um, uh, you ever notice that people run around like the, the sheriffs of the body of Christ? Their job is to tell you all the things wrong in your life, you know? Well, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong over here. Well, you're wrong, but you're wrong twice, you know? And, and they just, they'll just, that's all they do is run around telling them. And it's like, well, go home and get a mirror, right? I mean, the problem is they don't have a big enough mirror at home. If they had a big enough mirror, they, would, they, would, uh, they wouldn't do things like that. Uh, and so, so the Lord in his kindness and mercy has put a limit on, uh, in the situations that there is a limit. So that should give you some hope that you have the capacity, the ability, the grace, the, the strength to overcome that sin. Because he's already said, well, I, I'm not going to allow anything to come into your life that you can't overcome. Because then, then it would be an unfair fight, right? Because the devil, I mean, he's stronger than us individually. He's not stronger than us with the power of God. But just you without the power of God, he's stronger than, than that. Uh, we, of course, you and the power of God can handle anything, of course. Uh, but uh, he's still going to put a limit on that sin. Uh, and he's going to keep, uh, keep it from, from just where you, can, uh, where you can never say, honestly, I couldn't overcome it. Uh, because if that's true, then, then God is allowing the enemy to be stronger than you. And that can't possibly be true. And he said and along the way that uh, if, there, if you need to have a way to bail on the, uh, out of that temptation, then, then he'll give you a way to bail out of the temptation. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I wanted to read a couple other translations of verse 13 there. Uh, one says, uh, remember that your desires to sin are the same desires that other people have. Well, that's, that's kind of what we said about the, the, such is a common demand, right? Remember that your desires to sin are the same desires that other people have. But when you are tempted to sin, you can trust God to help you. He will not permit you to be tempted to anything to tempt you more than you are able to resist. So sometimes there's resisting of sin. We're going to talk about that when we, when we get uh, to, to the next verses there. He said, instead, when you are tempted, uh, he will also provide a way for you to endure it without sinning. Uh, one translation says, but remember this, the wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Uh, you know, I told you the way I told that to somebody one time. I said, well, you know, you're not special. Because they, they really believe that their sin and their temptations were special, that it was special case. Nobody else has ever had to do that. And, and they kind of, you know, and the reason I said that is because they kind of liked the thought that, well, I'm special. The devil's got a special assignment against my life and it's something nobody else has ever had to gone through. So I'm special because, you know, I've got all this, these things coming against me. So I must be a very special person. I mean, so now he's not only tempting you with whatever he's tempting you, he's also tempting you with pride, right? Because now I'm, I'm, I'm a, I must be a wonderful, I must be an awesome person. I mean, for the devil to tempt me like this, I mean, I must be, you know, like the Pope or somebody, right? You know, just somebody really important. Uh, and, you know, you could just be you, right? I mean, I mean, maybe you are the Pope. I don't know. But, you know, you could just be you. Uh, and so, but the devil loves to, to 
to get you to think that, uh, uh, that your, your problems are special. No, he said, the desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems you, before you. And no temptation is irresistible. I just couldn't overcome it. No temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this and will do what he says. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. In the last uh, translation for this verse, uh, it says, uh, We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way to escape that will bring you out of, its, uh, out of it victoriously. Uh, and so uh, God, number one, is not bringing the temptation to you. Well, God tempted me, you know, with this donut. God never puts anything in front of you trying to get you to sin. That he's not trying to do you. Now, he'll put things in front of you to get him to do his will plenty of times, right? Uh, but he's not going to bring, you know, something in you that if you follow that, that he brought to you, it results in sin. He's never going to do that. Uh, he will tell you, hey, I need you to go say that to that person. Well, sometimes that's a test, right? And, but, but if you go and say that to that person, that's a blessing. It's going to be a blessing to them. It's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, he's never going to try and get you to do anything that results in sin. Uh, in fact, let's, let's turn over to... Uh, uh, to the book of James, uh, and we're about out of times here. James has got a lot of things to say about this. But again, remember the whole, the whole, the, the point of failure is when you faint in your mind, right? When you go, I just can't do it. So you fainted in your mind, right? It's not really true, but in your mind you think it's true, right? If you say that you can't do that, you can't resist that sin, is that a true statement? It's not true, but if you believe it's true, it might as well be true, right? If you believe that you cannot overcome the sin, then for all intents and purposes, that's true, although it's not really true, right? Uh, but as far as you're concerned, it's true. Now, how many people have believed things that are just not true, uh, uh, and they believe them as if they're true, right? You know, people still believe we didn't go to the moon, right? You know, well, you know, it's not true. Well, yeah, we went, we, we went to the moon, you know. How, I mean, there's people who believe the earth is still flat. You know, people actually still... Still believe the earth is flat. Well, you know, it's not true, right? I mean, well, it's still, it is so. Oh, okay, well, just go that way about three miles and you disappear below the horizon. How'd you disappear below the horizon? You know, if the earth isn't, I mean, there's, I'm not going to go and explain to you why the earth is not, not flat. There, I mean, we all know the earth's not flat, right? But, but there's people who believe that. And, and they'll, they'll believe it as if, if, it's, if it's true statement, right? Uh, and, but once, he, once they believe it, in their mind, it's true. Even if it's not true, even if they have no way to, to, to prove it, it's not true, right? Uh, and so, but in their mind, it's true. Uh, and so once you get to that point, that, and see, where, where is that failing? Is it in your mind, right? When you failed in your mind, when you fainted in your mind, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, for me, I just rarely believe anything unless, you know, unless the Word of God proves it, amen? Uh, and so, but uh, let's look at here in James chapter 12. Uh, it says in verse, verse, James chapter 1, starting in verse 12. It says, blessed. That's a good way to start that verse right there, right? Blessed means ha be happy, be prosperous, right? Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So is there value in, in resisting temptation and enduring temptation? 
Well, what do you get out of it? Well, you get the crown of life. That's a pretty good deal, right? Because otherwise you get sin, right? Sin worketh death. Uh, and so the, there, there is a value in resisting the temptation. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And, you know, what happens a lot of times, even in the church, is people will rewrite the word of God. Well, there's nothing wrong if I do that. I'm not hurting anybody. Uh, you could be hurting your own spirit, man, right? Hurting the, the heart of God if he told you not to do that and he told you to do something different then, you know, you're, you, you are hurting somebody. You're hurting God's ability to operate through your life. Amen? Uh, and so people will, will justify their sin. Well, you know, I, I got special needs. Well, you may have special needs, but that may be a different problem to deal with, right? Uh, so blessed is the man that endureth temptation. When he is tried, he shall receive crowns of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. So right there you go, right? Uh, so should you ever say, well, God tempted me, you know, to do this sin. God put this, you know, I'm married, but God put this, you know, this, this neighbor in there to tempt me, right? You know, uh, did, did God do that? No, God didn't do that, right? Because it says, uh, uh, I am tempted for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Uh, and so, so you've got to get your doctrine straight right there. You've got to start with that, st- that statement right there that God never tempts any of us to sin, right? Now, he will try our hearts. He will see if we're going to do the right thing. You know, he say, I need you to do this thing. And he'll see if you're going to do that thing, right? And, but the thing that he always asks you to do is always a blessing, right? It's never to go, hey, I need you to go and sin, right? I'm going to go put this money in front of you and, and see if you're going to steal it. Well, he's not going to ever tempt you to sin, right? Uh, and he's only going to tempt you. To, he's going to try your hearts to see if you'll do his will. Uh, but the goal is never to get you to sin. Uh, and so he said, in verse 14, but let every man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So uh, this right here tells you the root cause of every sin that's ever occurred is somebody started with a desire. There is a desire, right? A lust means a desire, right? It's not always a sexual sin, but it's a desire for anything. Sometimes it's a desire for fame and fortune, right? Sometimes it's a desire to be known, to have a name, or to have a reputation or something. You know, to be well thought of in the community, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if your desires are not from the Word of God and they don't line up with the Word of God, then that's a desire to sin, right? Uh, and so if, uh, if that desire is there, then that, des- that desire came from who? Well, it came of his own lust, of your own desire, right? So, you know, just like, you know, uh, uh, God made men to like women. Uh, and he made us, I mean, he put us together. Didn't he create man and woman, right? He put us together, right? And so uh, there's a natural godly desire to be with your spouse, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, but there are other women in the world too, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, there is a, a godly desire to have a spouse and a godly desire to be with a woman that God has put you with. But you could take that desire and, and make it something that it's not. Well, I want all women, Right. People say, well, you know, we shouldn't be just tied to one person, right? We need to be free and have all the women and men that we want, right? Well, see, they took a, a, what was a godly desire and, and turned it into something that was not a godly desire, right? Well, we shouldn't be constrained. Well, and we're, we're not going to go into all the reasons why that's just dumb, but uh, that, that's just dumb, right? Because you should always try to constrain your flesh uh, and allow your spirit to be free. Most people constrain their spirit and allow their flesh to be free. Uh, and that's, that's going to be messed up life right there, right? Uh, but you, if you will work on your life and allow your spirit man to be free to always follow the will of God, 
then you're, by, by very definition is your flesh will be constrained. Uh, and so, so when people say freedom, you, gotta, you need to ask them, what kind of freedom are you talking about? In what realm are you talking about having freedom? Because their realm is always the natural realm, the flesh realm, right? Your realm that you want to be the most free at is in your spirit man to always follow the will of God. Uh, and so, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Uh, so whatever temptations have come into your life, it's because that you have a desire there that was a root of that temptation. Now, again, that, that initial desire could be a godly desire to be with a woman, right? If you're a man, to be with a woman is perfectly fine, perfectly normal, unless it's not your wife. And then it's not perfectly fine, not normal. But the devil would love to take what is a godly desire and try to extrapolate that to become something that's not a godly desire. Anything wrong with desiring good food to eat? Well, nothing wrong with desiring good food to eat. But if you want to eat all the food that's in the world, well, then you've gone beyond the desire of the Lord, right? And some people, you know, they're on a seafood diet. Whatever they see, they eat, right? And that's a seafood diet. And so, uh, so you can get out of balance in that, right? Uh, nothing wrong with, with certain desires, but if you take that desire to an extreme, then you'll be out of the will of God. And so you have to, you know, to temper your own desires to see where that. But some desires are just wrong, right? They're just, they're just, just 100% wrong. Uh, and so what did uh, Paul tell Timothy about the love of money? He said, love of money is what? Root of all evil, but... Is there is there anything wrong with desiring money to pay your bills or desire money to to be able to eat and desire money to buy clothes? Nothing wrong with that. But but if you turn that desire into a love, you know, then then it's out of balance. Right. It's out of order and it will cause all kinds of problems in your life. So, uh, you know, some people might I, I don't want to be rich. I just want to be rich. You know, uh, I think that in Proverbs said that he who hastens to be rich sinneth with his feet. Uh, if your goal is only to be rich. What, what, what's the end game of that, right? My goal is to be a blessing to everybody I can be a blessing to. Uh, and along the way, in order, in order to do that, the Lord may have to make me to be rich, amen? Uh, and so he said, uh, then when sin hath conceived, the verse 15, it bringeth forth sin, and when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Uh, and so, so just know when it comes to fainting in your mind against that sin, number one, the root of that was, became from, from a desire that you had. And so you need to realize, okay, uh, I need to either remove that desire entirely from my life or put that desire in the right level that it needs to be and, and, and allow it to stay there, right? So if you're desiring, you should desire your spouse, right? Uh, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. But if you desire everybody else's spouse, well, then you're out of order, amen? And so some, some uh, desires you may have to bring into temperance, into self-control and say, well, this is as far as this desire goes, some desires, well, that's not godly at all. I need to remove that entire desire out of my life. Just, I'm just going to, can't you decide to not have that desire? We can't decide. Sure you can. Just, I'm not going to want that anymore. Lord, I'm going to. People say, well, you know, God, take that desire from me. It's your desire. You've got to give it up, right? You've got to cast things on the Lord. He doesn't take just things out of your life. You've got to give it to him. Uh, and you've got to say with your own mouth, I choose not to have that desire anymore. People all the time, Lord, take that desire for for tobacco out of my life you know it just it just doesn't you know now you can ask the lord to help you right with that but you get yourself in on, on this right uh and so you, you've got to decide i choose not to want this anymore uh now because you've got to get your soul renewed to the will of god and then the the, the craving that your body has for that nicotine it will eventually have to follow uh the the renewed mind that you have amen 
Uh, and that's where the, the strength of the Lord comes from. Uh, and so, uh, and the Lord can't help. The Lord can help you all the time, right? But a lot of times people just ask the Lord to do something in a sovereign way without them doing anything by faith at all. So, so all sin starts with the desire that you have, not that God gave you that desire um, in the sense that uh, God tempted you that. Uh, all sin comes from something that you've desired. And either it's out of order uh, as far as how big that desire is or it was, it's 100% you need to get rid of it out of your life. And that's for you to figure out on those things, right? But just know that it's not God tempting you. God's not putting these things in your life. He's not putting you know, naked women in front of you to, to get you to sin or you know, alcohol in front of you to get you to sin or you know, whatever it is, right? It, it's, it's just life. Uh, and the devil sometimes will orchestrate some things to get you to see those things, but sometimes you can't hardly go through life at all with, without, there's just things, right? Things that are going to try to tempt you to, uh, to, to fail. Uh, and so, you know, I go through, like me and Jared go somewhere and I'll, you know, we go some grocery store or something, there'll be a whole rack of alcohol there. I said, Jared, does that tempt you to drink that alcohol? Well, no. Uh, well, that's good. But someday, you know, uh, there'll be a friend of yours, somebody in your life who will try to get you to drink alcohol uh, because uh, they want to get you to attempt to do that. And, and the temptation is, well, you need to be friends, right? We're friends. And so, you know, friends would, would, you know, I'm your friend. And so you need to, if you want to be my friend, you need to drink this alcohol. So the temptation is not so much about the alcohol. The temptation is, I don't want to lose my friend. Uh, well, you know, when you, when you know who you are in the Lord, you just walk away. Well, then you're not really my friend because a friend's never going to try to harm you, right? What kind of a friend is that? But how many people have, because of their, their, their desire to have friends, you know, in fact, um, uh, Jerry probably remembers this conversation uh, years ago. Uh, we, knew, we knew a fellow and he started hanging out with this other guy. And, um, you know, this other guy was kind of shifty, you know, and, uh, and um, not somebody that, that uh, is going to be a help to you. Uh, now, you know, my Bible says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, uh, in fact, uh, um, maybe it's good if you, if you guys read it there. Um, and then, well, now we've got to go. Uh, I think we could just read this uh, one last verse here. Um, Romans, Galatians, it's in the middle of all that, right? 1 Corinthians. Uh, he says... Uh, uh, in verse 33, be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners, right? Uh, and so, um, yeah, evil communication corrupts good manners. Um, and so, you can't be around uh, certain people. They're going to corrupt you. Now, if the Lord assigned you to go help them, that's fine, right? But, but uh, uh, he started hanging around with, the, with this fella and, and started picking up a lot of the traits that this fella had telling dirty jokes, you know, being kind of crude and things. And, and I remember talking to Jerry. I said, Jerry, you know, I'm concerned, you know, because of this verse right there, right? Uh, uh, and so uh, one translation says, bad, bad morals corrupts good, good manners. Um, and so, uh, so, you, so you do have to be careful about who you hang around with, right? Uh, and, and so if you fast forward several years, uh, this person is near death now. And, and, and they forsook all their other friends. They forsook me and forsook Jerry. You know, we, we both knew him. Uh, and um, didn't want to hang around us. Wanted to hang around this one fellow there. And, and, uh, and so not long before his death, I, I was talking to him. And he said, he said, I just wanted a friend. Well, that's not true. In fact, I said, well, that's not true. I said, because I wanted to be your friend, but you didn't, you didn't want me to be your friend because 
you know, I'm not crude and rude and, you know, tell dirty jokes and that sort of thing. You know, you wanted that friend over there. And, that, and none of my business, right? You be friends with whoever you want to be, but I want friends that are going to help me, right? I want friends that, that, that when they come into my life, I'm stronger and a better person than when they were, were there before me. Amen? That person didn't, wasn't that person for this fella. Uh, that person made him worse. Uh, caused him to go down the road. Now, it was still his decision, right? Nobody made him do it. Uh, but bad company corrupts good morals. That's what one, one translation says. Bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, and and uh, they said, I just wanted a friend. See, the temptation to, to have a friend overrode his desire to follow the will of God because the Lord, the Lord would have said, you don't need to be around that person. And the, 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 there should be plenty of times the Lord says, don't be around that person, right? There's all, even ministers. The Lord would have me like, hey, don't be around that minister. Okay, Lord. I mean, they're a minister of the gospel, right? Preaching the gospel. Don't be around that guy. Okay, no problem, Lord. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. Amen. Uh, now, I have a desire to be friends. Don't you have a desire to be friends? I have a desire to, to have friends in my life, right? But sometimes people want that desire and they'll override the will of God. Well, I just want somebody to be my friend. Well, but you wanted that person to be your friend. You know, you didn't want a person. You wanted that person over there who you know was not good for you. But, you know, but how many people do that? You know, they put, allow people in their lives. I'm very picky about who I allow to be part of my life, right? Just, you know, I'm a friendly person, but, but uh, you know, there's a certain level. But uh, if you want to go beyond that, then, then uh, I need to see your resume, right? I need to see, you know, do you love the Lord, right? Do you want good things in this life, right? Or are you just trying to by hook or crook, right? I don't like hanging around ministers that, that just all the time is everything about money, you know, it's all, or everything's about them. I, I don't like being around that. I don't like being around ministers who, who fuss at the, at the waitress at the, at, at, at the restaurant and are mean to everybody and walk in and are rude to all the help and all the riffraff, you know, the nice to the pastor, of course, because he writes the check. But, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like being around ministers like that. And I, typically I won't be around people like that. Um, you know, that means I have a very limited number of people I can be around, but... You know, me and the Lord, we're good, right? And, and my wife and my family, you know, we're all good. So, so, uh, so that, that can help us, right? So remember that, that the temptation fails when you faint in your mind. The temptation is not the issue. It's when you faint in your mind. You go, I just, I just can't resist anymore. I can't overcome. But that's not true. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says you can always, every single time, without exception, overcome every single situation. Uh, so... If you'll, if you'll allow that truth to strengthen your mind, see, then your mind won't faint. And, and then you won't, you won't say something dumb like, I just couldn't help it, because that's not true. It would be more accurate as, I didn't want to help it, I just wanted to eat it all. Okay, well, that, that's fair, right? It's not, it's not good for you, but at least it's fair, right? Uh, and so, I just wanted a friend in my life. That's not true, right? You wanted that person who the Lord instructed you not to be around, amen? Bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, and so, uh, so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you that we have the ability every single day, Father, with not a single exception, to live a life free from sin. And, Father, we don't have to faint in our minds. We don't have to yield to the sin. We don't have to uh, make up excuses that we couldn't help it, that we couldn't, we couldn't handle it, we couldn't overcome it. Father, uh, we need to be honest and true and say, I chose to do it, Father. Uh, and then, Lord, you will help us to... Find the way out. You said every single time there's always a way out. And you said every single time that, that you will not allow it to be stronger than us. Father, we have the ability right now in our lives, wherever we are in faith, whatever, whatever we know of faith, right now, Father, this very moment, we have everything we need to overcome every single temptation that we'll ever face the rest of our lives. And so, Father, we thank you for that. If your word is so, Father, then that's a true statement.
And so, Father, we thank you that we can overcome. We can have victory in our lives. We can live lives free from sin and destruction, Father, and live lives that are free to worship you and to follow you all the days of our lives. We thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. You know, I really like the phrase there in Hebrews chapter 12 is uh, considered Jesus, you know, uh, for you have not resisted unto the shedding of blood, right? Because <laughs> it's like, well, you know, he did it. And none of us will ever have to suffer under that temptation that he did to avoid the cross, right? None of us are ever going to be qualified to go to the cross. None of us have ever lived for all eternity in the presence of God the Father. So none of us will ever know that temptation uh, that, that Jesus suffered under, amen? And yet he made it successfully, didn't he, amen? So come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive this morning's offering. And, you know, Jesus didn't have any more ability and power than you had. He had the same Holy Ghost you've got, same Word of God. In fact, we've actually got more of the Word of God than he had, right? He didn't have the New Testament. It hadn't been written yet. Um, we've got the same power and ability he had. In fact, he gave it to us, right? He didn't give us a, 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 a baby uh, power. He gave us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in the, on the inside of us. Amen. So you, you can do it. It is possible to live a life free from sin all the days of your life. Amen. Uh, and, and it's not, you know, the whole point of this is not about sin so much. It's about remembering to not faint in your minds. Amen. Uh, and, and you'll be okay. Uh, and so have a wonderful week. And Lord, be blessed. Don't forget we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And you're dismissed.